Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, episode number 94. It's Monday. We're here, fresh, new week. Dominic, how are you doing, my friend? Well, Noah, it's been a busy weekend. Uh, As we kind of mentioned on Friday's episode, we are no longer in person, or at least for the foreseeable future. I have since had a little move, a little move Away yeah. from the uh, college town yeah, that we came the, to love. Tell, tell the viewers to, and, and me how the move went. You know, does anyone like moving? Let's be honest here. No, and, it's uh, like the worst state in the world. Yeah, and it was bad. Uh, I'm just kidding. It could have been worse, but it was just a long weekend with many more long nights to go, getting everything set up the right way. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it could have been worse. We saw some uh, friends last night for the fights as well, so that was cool. Had some... Good food. So, uh, of course, the moving gets put on a hold when fights are on. I mean, that's just that's the rule. Yeah. I, I don't I don't make the rules. That's just that's it. That's how it goes. No, so. we don't make the rules. We just enforce them. Yeah. So uh, them. podcast over everything, and uh, now here we are. We're we're remote, and uh, yeah, it's been a little bit since we've been remote. What, what do you what do you say here, Noah? Well, it has been a little bit. Um, it's definitely an adjustment. It always is, but um, I think we're we're more equipped now to kind of take this challenge on. I think oh, yeah. the, I'm hoping the viewers can notice a little bit of a difference in the quality here. Uh, me and Dom both using mics, got some headsets going. Uh, we're trying to make sure that this audio is just as clear, if not even more than when we're in person. Yes, for sure. So no more of that zoom audio, things like that. But, um, yeah, I want to tell you a little story before we get into the fights here. I so, love a good story time. So, so I was thinking, so I was thinking about this uh, today. Um, so I, I I drank quite a bit last night. I won't lie. Okay. Or Saturday night. We appreciate um, your honesty. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know you hear these stories about these athletes. You know, Michael Jordan, guy would was drinking. I don't know, like 20, 20 whiskeys on the rocks and smoking cigars. Smoking cigars, and then he would go drop 40 on the Celtics and then go gamble a million bucks after and do it all over again, you know. So I, I today had a rough morning. It took me a while to get started. Well, I uh, I had to stop by my friend's house because uh, my car was still there from the night before. So um, I had my buddy drop me off, and I had my dirty clothes basket with me, and it's all filled up with clothes because I was going to do laundry after. So I had to walk probably like 50 yards to the house, and I got in there, and I was like, <sighs> and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I think I'm dying. And they're like, what did you do? you run here? And I'm like, no, I didn't. And I, I right there, I had this like eureka moment where I was like, wow. These athletes, they're really built They're different. built different, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... Us podcasters, <laughs> we may talk a lot, but the lung capacity can only go so far. <laughs> yeah, I think I realized I'm going to stick to using my voice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm going to let the other guys do the whole fighting thing or Fair the enough. basketball thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just thought I'd share that uh, it's been a rough, it's been a rough morning, but we're 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 finally starting. Uh, uh, the head the head clouds are starting to clear up and everything. Again, below average Joe's here. You, you know, that's how it we comes do with things. The name. That's how we do it. Okay, <laughs> we're as advertised. What can we say? Yeah. But if we're going to be as advertised, it's time to get into some MMA talk. Good point. So we're going to start with everyone's favorite segment, the news. The news. 
No fight announcements for today's episode, but we do have a couple for the rest. First, Bellator 257 happening this Friday, May 7th. The big co-main event, arguably the people's main event. No kidding. If you want to go off of what fight most people were excited for, Yoel Romero and Anthony Johnson, two of the all-time fighters in the UFC, especially for talking about guys who never won a belt. They've now moved on to Bellator. They were supposed to face off in the first round of the Grand uh, Prix. Light, light heavyweight Grand Prix. But Yoel Romero is out of that bout due to a eye issue. He will be replaced by Jose Augusto Acevedo's Barros, who's a team pit bull. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, actually. So let's start with Yoel Romero, because I think that's the... Um, Probably the bigger story here. Um, and, and I don't really know what we can, not a whole lot we can confirm on this. All that's been said is it's an eye injury. But, Dom, you, I, I showed you the clip before we started recording about Israel Adesanya when they fought over a year ago at this point. Afterwards, in the post-fight press conference, he was talking um, quite a bit about how there was something off with Yoel. Something yeah. with the side of his body. His yeah, eye the left out. eye, the left side of his body. He noticed something was off, wasn't quite sure what it is. But now all of a sudden with that clip circulating, like you said, you just shared it with me because uh, I don't even know if I had ever seen that post-fight presser, but that clip exclusively, and now it's coming full circle, and it's like, hmm, is this some sort of lingering issue that is just now coming to... Uh, fruition and causing issues for Yoel has it always caused him issues and he's been able to squeak by commissions uh so I mean first things first speedy recovery to Yoel Uh, I'd love to see this guy compete in Bellator and see if he can do some big things but it does just make you wonder it's interesting it's so depressing too because this was a big fight I mean this is one of the most anticipated fights of 2021 of all MMA was this what a huge fight for Bellator to put on you know oh yeah was looking to make a big bounce back in 2021. You know, 2020 not going to be anybody's ideal year. Um, so they were looking to bounce back in a big way, signing both Romero and Johnson at the end of 2020. And this was supposed to be the big come, the big, yeah, you know. this was the uh, one. Really making do on that promise of, you know, putting on these big fights. And it's unfortunate that it had to go out like that. Uh, but as you said, speedy recovery, we hope for Yoel. Uh, it's just, it's very eerie when you see a quote like that from Adesanya who yeah. fought Romero a year ago. And you got to wonder, did the UFC maybe know a little something about this injury? And that's why you had the abrupt re- release. That may, You're really opening up a lot of uh, doors, yeah, windows. Might be, I that, might be opening up a can of worms I don't here, want yeah. to there. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm not, you know, that's not speculation. I'm just... Saying that, like, you know, was there, you know, did the UFC catch wind of maybe that there's something really serious going on with that eye? Would it surprise me? No, because everybody wants to talk about how Robert Whitaker went 10 rounds with Yoel Romero, but nobody seems to recognize that Yoel Romero had to go 10 rounds with Robert Whitaker. Exactly. And he got busted up pretty good. Yeah, I mean, Robert, of of course, coming out on the winning side of both. So (laughs) clearly there was damage dealt, you know? Yeah. Um, It's just something i wanted to throw out there but obviously nothing's been confirmed on this i'm I'm assuming we'll get more 
maybe once this fight goes down yeah and afterwards you got to think they're gonna have to talk clear the air on this since there's so much speculation right now i sure hope so and just hope it's nothing serious would love to see yoel compete again if uh, everything lines up accordingly now as i mentioned rumble will be facing off with jose barros who is a team pitbull member yeah so what is kind of your thoughts here barros very very fresh into professional mma record wise he's mu- he's much younger i guess um in his fight years than Rumble is. Uh, seven and two come in here. He's on a five-fight winning streak. Has, hasn't gotten out of the first round in his last four fights. What do you think there? Yeah, and only 1-0 and in Bellator, and you said that was April 2nd. I mean, literally a month ago, the day we're recording this, and nearly mm-hmm. to the day that he fights, and he gets to fight Anthony Rumble Johnson. I mean, man... <laughs> What a freaking step up for this guy. Again, a Team Pitbull member, which is a huge thing. Obviously, the double champ over there in Bellator in Pitbull for Hera. Uh, and I'm going to be honest, like, replacement or not, still the biggest thing going into this weekend for me in that Grand Prix was, what are we going to see of Rumble Johnson? And mm-hmm. now the guy's been preparing for Yoel for, you got to think, months. Because he probably knew that was the fight that was going to happen before the Grand Prix even got announced. So he's been solely focused on... Uh, Yoel, been losing a lot of weight. He went from 280 pounds. He was down to 220, I think, sometime last week. So cutting a ton of weight, and all of a sudden you get a last-minute replacement against a young, surging prospect. Man, all eyes for me are on Rumble this weekend, Who, who no matter who the opponent was. No, that's a great point. Very true. All eyes have to be on Rumble at this point. And even if Romero was still included in this contest, we still are aware of how good Yoel Romero is. Yeah. You know, we just saw him a year ago or so. Yeah. When you look at Rumble Johnson, we have not seen him since UFC 210. Long time, man. That was back in 2017. Been about a four-year layoff for Anthony Johnson. Now, that last fight was a losing effort for the light heavyweight strap. And a fight that he damn near finished DC, you know? (laughs) Crazy. Um, So, because of that, you'd like to think he could come back and still fight at a pretty high level. But for a guy like Jose Barros here, what an opportunity. Yes. Your second Bellator contest, you're getting a huge name. And not only that, but it's a name that has a lot of, um, if you win this fight, let's say. Let's say Jose Barros comes out here and makes this huge upset. Not only is that a win that has credit to it because of the heights that Anthony Johnson's career has been to, but truthfully, like, it might even be more so than it should be at this point. Like for all we know, Anthony Johnson might not be the same fighter he was when he left the sport four years ago. Yeah. But we don't know that. And Barrows is going to be able to get all the credit from that. If he goes out there and wins this fight. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a literally all win, no lose <laughs> proposition oh. here. Oh but yeah. For sure. hundred percent. Nothing, nothing to lose here. And, I mean, you look, he's going to, you know, should he get a big win? It's against one of the biggest names in the light heavyweight MMA ever, really. And he advances in a Grand Prix where he could potentially fight for a freaking title, you know? Well, he would be. If he wins yeah, this, Yeah, the winner does fight Nimkov. That's true. That's So he would literally unreal. be 2-0 in Bellator and fight for a title. Similar yep. to a guy we're going to talk about later, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. But, uh... Yeah, very still excited for that fight, but just hoping UL recovers. And 100%, yeah. As far as our other announcement, 
another just random one that's a uh, very eerie Zabit Magomed Sharipov, a fighter that we've all been wondering when he's going to be fighting next. Yeah. You know, his, his, uh, the efforts of the UFC to complete a bout with him and Yair Rodriguez have fallen through time and time again. It's literally looking a lot like Habib Tony um, in the way that this fight keeps <laughs> going out. The last time it fell through was Yair getting suspended for um, six months, I believe, by USADA for not updating his app uh, <laughs> yeah. like three different times and um, just a whole mess there. But now we got word through the Russian media, I want to say, that uh, Zabit contemplating retirement right now. Man. So do you want to elaborate to folks at home as far as what's what where he's kind of contemplating, you know, where his decisions kind of falling in? Here? Yeah, so I mean some apparent long-term health issues that have kind of been bugging him for a while in terms of respiratory, uh, you know, breathing. As you mentioned before we started recording, it maybe that's why we've seen this guy uh, gas out when the fight goes to those later rounds, like, especially his last bout against Calvin in November of 2019, where we saw the tide really change in that third round, and people were like, hmm, Zabit's great, but what if he gets into these championship rounds with elite-level guys like Volkanovski and Korean Zombie, Max Holloway, etc.? But now all of a sudden, this door's starting to open, you're like, oh, maybe this is some sort of health issue, and... Now he's just contemplating retirement because of how serious this could be. He has to go undergo surgery. Uh, he's had problems getting fights. It seems they're only focused on getting him with Yair, and that's got to be frustrating for a fighter to a certain extent. Like, man, just get me a fight against someone. This division's so stacked, you can get a win against any of these top ten guys and be very prominent in terms of title contention. So I think there's a ton of built-up frustration from Zabit plus these health issues and man you'd hate to see a guy with all this potential retire so young so I surely hope that's not the case and again back to back here was just well wishes first and foremost to Zabit I hope it's nothing serious I hope the surgery goes great and hopefully we see Magomed Cheripov back in the octagon uh, relatively soon so yeah it's it's unfortunate but Apparently, this this it's not all just the kind of respiratory issues and the surgery that's come upcoming for him. Um, I guess he's been pretty upset because the UFC just took him out of the featherweight rankings, um, and you know a lot of that's not really on him because it's ultimately it appears most of the fallouts with him and Yair Rodriguez has been on Yair's end, and. So you got to think that's kind of hurt his confidence a little bit or uh, motivation maybe that's like he worked his way up to the top five of the division and now only to be taken right back out of the rankings. So that's unfortunate for him. Um, however, uh, hopefully the surgery goes well and then we can see him, you know, get back in there maybe by the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, once you're talking after the end of this year, it, people are just going to start moving on. Right, exactly. Unfortunate as it is because it's been so long already. It'd be about two years at that point. He's still a young guy, still so much promise. Oh, yeah. You know, when this guy made his, he made such a splash on the MMA scene that I think a lot of us were wondering if anybody could beat him. Now, yeah, and he, been, what, 6-0 and in the UFC? I mean, yeah, We've seen some chinks in the armors, mostly being that cardio. Um, but he still looks like he can be a potential champion and, um, 
obviously top contender of the division for years to come, so we'd like to see him get back in there if he can. Couldn't have said it better there. But that's going to be the end of today's edition of The News. The News. <laughs> Let's get into some fights. UFC Vegas 25. They're still racking up. I can't keep track of all these Vegas events, man. Not that much longer, please. We're going to get a little sad when they they die down, aren't we? Ah, this is true. Yeah, I'm sounding annoyed (laughs) now, but then, like you said, that's going to be sad. Damn it, no. Yeah. (laughs) Now, we only ended up with five fights on our main card Saturday. Uh, For what reason, I do not know. (laughs) Yeah, we previewed six, but they decided at the last second to move our women's fight to the prelims. But we're actually going to start with the prelims because it's time to talk about our prelim notables. Yes. Not exactly going to be the not the, the usual, notable, not the most notable episode <laughs> yeah. to be talking about this. Um, a lot of prospects on here, a lot of young fighters, as the prelims are known to do, but not a lot of huge statements here. Yeah. So every fight going to decision outside of that main event of the prelims, which ended in a disqualification. So my prelim notable is just going to be the best fight that was on these prelims. That's TJ Brown and Kai Kamaka. Incredible. Featherweight fight. Incredible which fight. Ended, ended in a split decision win for TJ Brown. Now, what's upsetting about this is because I think the wrong guy got his hand raised. Yeah, I agree. I thought Kai Kamaka clearly won two of the three rounds. And you could argue all three, you know. I mean that the the scorecard that was scored for Kamaka was thirty twenty seven. Exactly. It, it was a weird night for the judges across the board, really. But this one was that one where you're like, man, come on! After and such Kai a great Kamaka, performance, uh, he's kind of been on my radar a little bit. I he was the opening bout of I want to say a UFC two fifty two, uh, the Stipe Cormier three card. Mm-hmm. He was the very opening bout on there. Had a really nice win over Tony Kelly. That was a really good fight. Since then, though, he had TKO'd by Jonathan Pierce, another good fight. And then here, losing that split decision to TJ Brown, that makes him one and two in the promotion. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm a little annoyed with that because I've been kind of in this guy's corner and I think he does have a a nice ceiling. Oh, yeah. Shows a lot of potential. Another guy fighting out of Hawaii, too. Yeah, yeah, that as well. And he's so young, yeah, uh, 26 years old, and shows a lot of promise. But I don't want to take anything away from TJ Brown here. Showed he a lot of heart. Good as, looked really good as well. He's only 30 years old out of Arkansas, so a young guy in his own right. And he got hurt bad, man, in this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to really take anything away from him. He was a Contender Series alum, got an arm triangle choke win in his performance on the Contender Series. Started out 0-2 in the UFC, lost to Jordan Griffin and Danny Chavez. So this was his first actual win in the UFC, probably a win that needed to be had in order to continue fighting in the UFC. Um, so I guess for that, for him, it's got to be nice. Oh, yeah. But I'm just a little disappointed in the judges' scorecards, but overall it was a great fight. It's the most notable thing outside of what you're going to talk about to happen on this prelims. Yeah. But as far as from an actual... If you want to talk about, like, positives, this was the most positive takeaway from the prelims was this fight. Yeah, so my prelim notable here is honestly a fight that was incredible, and we just got robbed of seeing it go three rounds, truthfully. So the prelim headliner was Randa Marcos and uh, Luana Pinero. 
Uh, and Luana looked so good in this first round, was bombarding Marcos with strikes. But Marcos been there and done that with like the elite of this division for years. Uh, one of the OGs, really, of the UFC women's divisions, it seems, still fighting. And uh, she was having her moments as well. This was a back-and-forth brawl. But then the fight really turned awkward. So Luana eye-poked Marcos, cut her on the eyelid, and it was a pretty bad one. There was a pretty long delay. They get those five minutes, and uh, they checked out Randa. The doctor came in. She was cleared to fight. They get going right back at it, high-octane action. The fight gets taken to the ground. I can't remember the exact sequence that got it there, but as Luana is pulling away from guard to stand back up, she's still on her knees, and Marcos throws a kick straight to the face. And uh, as we all know, that is illegal. There was a little controversy with the broadcast and everything going on. I don't want to accuse anyone of anything. Just kind of how the Aljamain Sterling, we didn't accuse nothing there either. We're calling it for what we see. Uh, so there were some people saying, uh, it looked like she kind of flopped, quote-unquote, like you would see in like soccer, basketball, so on and so forth, where they just sell it a little bit more. And again, I'm not saying it was one thing or another, but there was that talk floating around. No matter what, she got kicked hard as hell, right in the face. It was illegal, and Panero was unable to continue the fight and therefore gets a victory via disqualification. No, I want to get your thoughts because, again, like I said in the beginning, we were robbed of a potential another fight of the night contender here. These girls were going at it. Well, just to be clear, not only was this talk happening on the internet, and yeah. Twitter, yeah, whatnot, it was happening on the UFC's own broadcast. Uh, commentator Paul Felder, I believe, had his own thoughts about this. Am I wrong? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I'm only saying, I'm only asking you because I wasn't, unfortunately, I did not watch these fights with sound yeah. for the majority of yeah. them. So, uh, sometimes that's better though. So I had to, I, I kind of wasn't, I wasn't paying too close attention when the, you know, the fight was stopped and they were checking on Luena and then all of a sudden the fight was over and I was like, oh shit. And then I saw Ariel's tweet talking about how he was, he was defending Paul Helders yeah. kind of, uh, speaking out against, Calling it as he saw it, you know. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he he was siding with the crowd that on was probably most vocal on Twitter, which was that this was a flop. Yeah, this was a bit of a performance. Um, unfortunate, if so, but again, starts with it starts with an illegal up. strike, you know. Yeah, I mean that's at the end of the day, if they don't throw the illegal strike, we're never in the situation. No way, there's no way out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's unfortunate, but I think we're going to be hearing more about this maybe in the next few days. Um, it's maybe and, not. I don't know. Yeah, and Luana got carried out of the octagon back to the locker room. Didn't walk back, so you would think it was you know pretty serious. I don't know if she was concussed or not. Uh, it just it sucked again because it was such a great fight. We had a young prospect going up against a seasoned veteran, both showing their toughness. And uh, it just sucks for both parties. Obviously, for Randa Marcos, having another loss, she now sits at 10-12. and 12, uh, So no one likes to have a less than 500 record. And for Luana, yeah, she gets a win, and she did have her moments, but is that really the way you want to get a win? So no one wins in this situation, in my opinion, man. I'll be interested to see if uh, perhaps if Randa Marcos does any um, media. media. Yeah. 
this week, uh, what her thoughts are, or maybe if they ask even Dana White or someone like that, yeah, what his thoughts are. But uh, unfortunate, but it is what it, it is. It is what it it's is. The name of yeah. the game. Yeah. So now we're going to move on to, I guess, our sixth fight <laughs> results and recap. I guess so we still can't starting... talk about one. Yeah. Yeah. So we're starting with the prelims. Uh, this ended up being a catchweight bout. Uh, originally scheduled for women's flyweight division. Uh, do you know which fighter missed weight here? That I do not. That I do not. Yeah. That so that could we, be a reason they bumped it to the prelims, though. Maybe. Yes. Yeah, so, so we ended up with Luena Carolina, Carolina, excuse me, getting the split decision win over Pollyanna Botello. Um, she fought hard to come back in this fight? one. Yeah, it was a comeback. She she got dominated in round round one. Uh, Botello looked very good, very strong in round one. But Luana really kind of took over. Round two, competitive. Round three, all Luana. She fought back hard and gets the victory. It was a split decision. Another very competitive bout. I thought it was a relatively fun fight to watch. It sucks they didn't get their main card shine. Again, I'm not sure why it got moved to the prelims, but at least they still got on You know, ESPN2. It was on television for plenty of people to see. And uh, it was a great fight. And shout out to uh, Luana Carolina. Got a big win again. Bounced back from being down big in that first round, and on to the next for her. It, it was a great fight, and uh, I actually predicted it wrong. So I had Botello, yeah. but you know that's all right. I, I can take a I, loss every now and again, <laughs> Noah. Yeah, when your when your record's as good as yours <laughs> been in twenty twenty one, I think you can afford a loss yeah. in there. Uh, but I also picked the wrong <laughs> winner in this one. Uh, Luena, I just looked it up. She was the fighter who missed weight here. Missed okay. weight by. Um, I guess two and a half pounds, 128.5 coming in here. So, you know, they give that one pound yeah. uh, that you're allowed outside of title fights. So uh, she missed weight by two and a half pounds. Um, that's not too bad, but you got to wonder if um, how much really can you positively take away? I mean, right. it's a win. Um, and no fighter is going to blame a loss on a, on a missed weight. Of two and a, like you know, of a fighter, their opponent being over by two and a half pounds. I don't think you're going to see Pollyanna, uh, you know, cry wolf there. But um, for Carolina, you got to wonder if maybe can is this weight class is that weight cut too hard for? Her? Was this just a bad a bad, bad cut? Week. What was yeah. it? Yeah. Um, but a good bounce back from her, considering her end of 2020, she was kind of. She was in our submission of the year contenders for a loss. Yeah. She had via knee bar to Ariane Lipsky. So because of that, good bounce back for her against someone like Botello, who was – there's been some whispers around Botello being a good prospect oh, yeah. in this division. And with that win, you know, Luena's probably one win away from top 15. Yeah, you know? very true. Very true. And this kind of – you know, this – this division, women's flyweight, that's improving with every month. But still but so just, open, you know? Still so open yeah. and still, you know, a lot of fresh faces making their way to this division. So it doesn't take much to, you know, get to the top 15. Yep. But now we're going to move on the to the actual our main, main card. card. <laughs> yeah. And we start with a really fun one at Bantamweight. Marav Balishvili continues his winning ways five in a row now. With a unanimous decision win over Cody Stamen, 30-27, and then 29-28 times two. I love this fight. Uh, really fun, back and forth. Um, you know, could have went either way. Even though this was a unanimous decision, I really thought Cody 
uh, showed a lot more here than even I was prepared for. And really for. held us all in that grappling, man. Yeah. See, that was what I was surprised about. Yeah. I really thought Marab's uh, Mauler kind of mentality might overtake Cody, who was a little more finesse with his wrestling. But uh, he was all game here and had his moments to shine. It was a great fight. Yeah, it really was, and it was a fight that just flew under the radar. I don't know if people just slept on it or what it was, yeah. but I knew this was going to deliver, grappling or not. The output of Marab matched with the power of Cody. I mean, it really meshed well. It gave us a great fight, very grapple-heavy, but again, when there's so many transitions and such a high pace and volume, those fights are just as fun as watching two guys slug it out on the feet, and uh, it, it was a great fight. Cody showed his toughness, his heart. But it really was just that overall pacing and output of Marab that got the best of him, even though you could have argued this could have went to Cody. I personally did score rounds one and three for Cody. Round three was that one that I really struggled, went back and forth with on the fence. Uh, overall, I mean, I predicted Marab to win via decision, and he fought the exact way I figured he would. But... Honestly, more takeaways here for Cody just for hanging in there. He's shown his toughness before. His last fight was against Jimmy Rivera. Even though he came up short in that one, he looked good, hung in there with an elite-level fighter. And now against Marab, he's on a six-fight win streak now on an absolute tear. And I'm excited to see what you think is next for both of these guys, especially Valishvili. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, so it's actually going to be harder to matchmake for Cody here. Because he's ranked 13th coming in, loses to Marab, ranked number 12. So you got to think he's going to have to go backwards. But the two guys behind him already matched up as of now. Kyler Phillips going to have that bout with Rafael Asuncao. And then Marlon Vera matched up with Davey Grant, who had a big win uh, last month. So for Cody, I think he might be fighting an up-and-comer outside of the top 15. Um, Perhaps... Mr. Sean O'Malley. Oh. I think that would be a great fight. That to would be. Once again, test Sean's ability here. But it looks like Sean O'Malley has his next matchup lined up. It just hasn't been announced yet. According to the teases we've been seeing, perhaps he's fighting a Ricky Simone. But. Shit, sign me up for that, that one. If Sean O'Malley has his matchup and it doesn't end up being. Ricky Simone, then why not give Ricky Simone to Cody Stamen? How about that? Yeah, I don't hate so it which, at all. Whichever one of these guys doesn't have a matchup within the next couple weeks, Cody Stamen. Man, hey, I'm I'm war Ricky on this podcast, man. I love me yeah. some Ricky Simone. I'm ready to see that boy fight again. No, I'm going to give you a fun one, though. Let me get your thoughts on a little Cody Stamen versus Casey Kenny action. What are your thoughts? No, that's a great, that's a great pick. That's a great pick. Both guys, a, man, off, these bantamweight, this bantamweight division, even outside of nuts. the top fifteen, division's it's, it's, nuts. It doesn't get any easier when you go to the unranked category. You've even got the guys like Nathaniel Wood still hanging out there, and he went into yeah. an absolute war with Casey Kenny. But uh, yeah. Kenny coming off of his loss to Dominic Cruz, and then Cody Stamen, of course, losing to Marab. Uh, Casey dropped right out of those rankings, but still right there on the doorstep. Him and Cody haven't fought before. However, both have now lost to Marab. I think it's a fight that makes sense. It's still a big fight for both guys. A main card fight, if you ask me. I, I think that would be great. And for Marab, this is interesting. I got one. Oh, elaborate, please. 
a guy that I'm a big fan of in this division, but has fallen on very hard times as of the last year. I'm so. looking at him right now. I see him. Number six, yeah. Marlon Marais. Give me a grappler striker, huh? It is, but if you look at Marlon Marais' last fight with Rob Font, which didn't go his way, his his method of attack was to actually get the fight to the ground. Yeah. Now, Rob Font, not near the grappler that Marab is, but... Marav has never been one that has the punching power or even the technique to really finish a fight on the feet yeah. outside of a puncher's chance. So for a guy like Marais, who's really had a hard time with uh, his chin, being able to hold up with some of these power punchers in the last year, yeah, um, I think that that's a good fight for him to take. But it still is a big test for him because Marav is such a mauler on the ground. And uh, Marlon being so good on the feet, having that power on the feet, that could be a good test for Marab. As he's five and he's won his last five fights, I think it's time that he's he does take a little bit of a step forward. He deserves you know? a leap, you know. Yeah, and it's a bit, it's big for both guys. Again, we've been really fa- fans on this podcast of kind of matchmaking these people that are. E- the fights are equally important, but for other reasons, yeah. that's always been a big thing for us when we're matchmaking, and that falls right in line with that. Yeah, uh, I'm going two spots lower, Mr. Pedro Munoz. It seems mm-hmm. he's looking for a fight right now. He just had that absolute war with Jimmy Rivera. That fight was nuts. Uh, he did pick up the decision in that one. Um, now, there were rumors that him and O'Malley were going to fight, but Pedro didn't want to fight O'Malley or didn't sign, or I don't know all the rumors. But let's just exclude O'Malley and let our boy Marab fight a guy like Pedro, another striker versus grappler, but a guy in Munoz who has a very slept-on BJJ game. I think that would be a very interesting matchup. You can't go wrong with either one of those guys uh, being the next step for Marab in this division. Sure. No, that's a good one, too. I'd like to see Pedro get back in there uh, within the next few months. Oh, yeah. So now we're going to move on to a middleweight fight. Sean Strickland. This this might be one of the most slept-on fighters in all of the UFC. Yeah, Sean Strickland gets another big win over the unranked Christoph Jocko, but a perennial top 15 guy in this middleweight division. Strickland gets it done 30-27 times 2 and then 29-28, excuse me. Um, this was a matchup of strikers here. Yep. Jocko's always been a guy that's his deficiencies have been on the ground. Sean Strickland, very prolific striker, looked so good in uh, some of his last few bouts to bout with Brendan Allen coming to mind. Man. And uh, he's been kind of proving everybody wrong every step of the way. But he, he comes into the top 15, goes up against a guy like Jocko, and passes the test again. Yeah, man. And, you know, and, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. We, get, no, we can't good. see each other right now. You know, it, it's just a little <laughs> off. That's all it is. Yeah, we'll no, get there. <laughs> uh, Strickland, four-fight win streak, like you said, the amazing win against Allen. Looks so crisp and clean last night. His striking is very good. Stop sleeping on this guy. He's 23-3, and 10-3 and in the UFC. I think it's time uh, he takes that leap and fights up in the rankings, man. But uh, I agree. Before I cut you off, you were going to say something. I'll let you finish your thought. No, I think we were on the same page as far as what we want to talk about here. It's that you know, this fight ultimately not going to be a fight that's probably going to be remembered too heavily as Sean Strickland and Christoph Jago cement their legacies in the sport. I don't think it's really going to be a fight that uh, you know, for Sean Strickland, we talk about the Brendan Allen fight a lot. 
uh, because that was a big statement for him. And such a Here, big name. It was another name. It was another feather in the cap, but I don't think it's uh, much more than that. I don't think there was a huge amount of takeaways from either side. Uh, good win over a guy with a name like Jocko, but I don't think uh, – I still want to see – basically, my biggest takeaway was I want to see Strickland fight even higher competition. And you know who that's going to be, Noah? Who's it going to be? That's going to be the trailblazer, Mr. Kevin Holland, after he takes some time off. Please, Kevin, please. <laughs> I know you want to fight Donald next weekend, but please take some time off. But I think that's the fight to make. I think you give Strickland a big name in Kevin Holland. Number 13, he's fighting up in the rankings. Uh, a striker versus striker matchup. I think the UFC, uh, from a business perspective, would probably want to do something like that for Holland next. You don't want him against another grappler. We've seen how that's went. I think that's a barn burner through and through, a three-round absolute war, fight of the night, fight of the year type style. Uh, that That's what should be next for Sean Strickland. I like it. I just, I will say that my only holdup with that is that I, I, I would really like to see Kevin Holland make the attempt to go down. 170, yeah. Um, I'm not saying I want to necessarily see him step in on late notice to fight Donald Cerrone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, again, with some time off, I'd like to see him make the adjustments to go down to 170. Because of that, I'm actually going to give Strickland pretty high up fight here. I'm going with number eight, Uriah oh. Hall. Oh, oh, oh. A battle with some strikers again, but there's nobody more, <laughs> more powerful that more of a chess match that Strickland's going to be able to get at this point. On the feet than Uriah Hall. He might Uriah Hall is kind of the. This is this is gonna sound like an insult, but it's not. He's you know it's like the meme. Uh, they they go uh, the kids say like oh we want McDonald's and the parents like oh we have McDonald's at home and then McDonald's at home is like hamburger helper or something or shitty. The the Dino Nuggets. Yeah, so <laughs> this is the kids saying we want Israel Adesanya. Mom says we have Israel Adesanya at home. It's Uriah Hall. Oh, boy. So that comes off like an insult, but really it's because Uriah Hall is very much kind of the the gatekeeper to proving for a lot of these fighters to prove can they even hang with who's the elite of the elite of the middleweight division. And, you know, Uriah Hall's not as good at this point as Israel Adesanya, but he is a great test for someone like Sean Strickland, who is a striker. But can he really compete with the elite of the division? It, you a win know, over Uriah Hall could potentially show that he at least is worthy of trying it out. And, and I think that's a fight that's very realistic simply because Uriah, you know, technically just beat Chris Weidman. We saw what happened there, the leg break and everything. He didn't even get to throw a strike in that fight. Yeah. So he's looking for a relatively quick turnaround. And for Strickland, yeah, he went three rounds. He did get hit. But I don't think there was any super bad damage. Maybe give him a month to regroup, but give him a guy like Uriah Hall a big opportunity. I think a guy like Strickland would be game to turn around quick, and it would be good for Uriah to get back in there because really everyone in front of Uriah is booked right now, to be honest, outside of Darren Till, but he's injured, and Kelvin Gastelum just fought. Shabazian's booked. I love that fight, Noah. I think that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, I know it'd be, it'd be Uriah fighting down again, but... It's hard to give him too much credit for that win over Chris Weidman, considering the circumstances. Yeah, I'm not going to be upset if Uriah Hall gets a big matchup with like a Jared Cannonier 
or Derek Brunson or, or Paulo you know, Costa. Yeah. Or, I mean, I know they already fought before, but you get my point. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be upset, but Sean Strickland, you know, as I'm looking up here, it's kind of after Kevin Holland, you got, as far as guys that are open, Chris Weidman, who will not be fighting in the near future. Yeah. And then Kelvin Gastelum, who I think is more deserving than Uriah Hall of fighting ahead yeah. at this point. Maybe that's a bit controversial, but um, that's the matchup I'm going to go with. It's I think it's good for Uriah and good for Strickland. Yeah, I love that. Now on to the light heavyweight fight. There was some uh, <laughs> this I mean, one. This one got a little interesting. Has there ever been down. a normal weigh-in stare down with Kudalaba though? I mean, let's be honest. They're always the most intense yet awkward moments. Hey, I mean, this man I will from never K- forget. Go ahead. I will never forget when this man's name was being announced in the cage <laughs> for his first fight with Magomed Ankalaev. Yeah. And, you know, you see some fighters, they'll walk across the cage, they'll get pretty close to their opponent's face, but ultimately they back up into their corner because guess what? In a few seconds, we're going to fight anyways. But Kudalaba just walks over there as if Ankalaev ain't even there and just kind of dead weights in his arms. Very weird. One of the most hilarious yet awkward things I've ever seen. Well, he decided to top himself here. Man. So the, the stare down's coming, and this is coming off a week ago where Jeremy Stevens shoved um, – why am I blinking? Drakkar Close. Yeah, Drakkar Close. And Close suffering an injury, pretty serious yeah, like injury. Yeah, severe from whiplash, that essentially. Um, that fight doesn't happen. So with that being kind of on everybody's mind, <laughs> Kudalava comes out and immediately grabs the grabs back of him. Jacoby's head and – Starts saying, like, you will be my bonus. Pretty badass line, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but still, unnecessary. And then they have to get split up, and you can tell Dana's just annoyed. Like, what, well, what, what are you doing? doing? Yeah. And, um, yeah, Kudalava, just an anomaly of a man. <laughs> just, just a wild, a complete wild card. Oh, you, you know, never know what you're going to get. Uh, but they do end up fighting. He does not injure Jacoby in the, fa- in the stare down. Thank goodness, because so we, we got get- a bit of a war. Yeah, we did get a war here. This fight ended up being a split draw. Yeah. So that means it was 28-28 yep. on one scorecard. And then you had a 29-28 for Jacoby and yep. a 29-28 for Kudalaba. Right. All across the board there. I personally, and Dom, I know you agree with me on this, we both scored it a draw. Scored it a draw. Um, again, this is going to kind of lead into, even though I think the decision's right, we do get a split draw here. Once again, the judge is not being very consistent it's on this night. It's inconsistency, yeah. yeah. This first round, I'm having a hard time believing that. I feel like, I feel like this is the blueprint of a 10-8 round, no? Oh, I mean, if there was ever a 10-8 round, this was round one of this fight. I mean, Kudalava technically had seven or eight takedowns. All uh, oh, just dominated him. Uh, um, had Jacoby up against the fence, was pounding him. I'd love to see the strike differential in round one because it wasn't even competitive. There were moments where I thought the fight was going to get stopped. I mean, Jacoby, all credit to him for surviving and bouncing back the way he did in rounds two and three. But round one, 10-8, a million percent. Like, if you need a blueprint for judging in the future, that's probably going to be up there on the top of the list for fights or rounds to watch in terms of a 10-8. But two judges clearly didn't score it that way. And uh, it's, it's very, or one judge at least, but it's just very interesting 
But shout out, shout out again to Jacoby because he bounced back in round two. Kudalaba began to tire. It was very obvious. And uh, rounds two and three were all Jacoby. We saw that kickboxing expertise. A very nice, quick jab. Very explosive on the feet. He never really tired. And that's how he was able to pull away. But again, not enough to get the win after getting dominated in the first round. Yeah. Uh, shout out Kudalaba for, for one coming out like i mean a man on fire here early uh looked really good in the first round looked powerful uh had that killer mentality going wasn't quite able to finish jacoby who's you know for for his you know he's relatively young inexperienced i guess in the may fighter Yeah, yeah. yeah but still a veteran of fighting in general and that that veteran kind of that veteran shift showed in the later rounds when Kudalaba completely gassing Jacoby being able to really in my opinion wins round two and three uh just off of heart and determination alone really and honestly and, I felt he was in both those rounds was one explosive combo away from even potentially being able to finish the fight it was just a matter of pulling the trigger really I thought he mm-hmm. uh, was that effective with his striking but nevertheless again won both those rounds so yeah so very effective uh bounce back and uh, come from behind but not quite win here because it does end up being a draw but do you think this fight gets run back is that, that is that something we're looking at that's what I was gonna say um I just don't have any other names in mind for both guys because of the way the fight went I think it would be a great fight. Uh, to run back, and then it's, it's just weird to say that because Kudalaba would then have, what, his last four fights would be against the same two guys. <laughs> but I think when it is a fight like that where Kudalaba dominates in round one but tires so easily and Jacoby comes on strong but still can't get the win because of the round one, they each, like, dominated each other. It, it was just odd, and I, I'm all for running it back. I think it would be another exciting fight. Uh, just keep them separated during the uh, stare down, please. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm usually, and really, the UFC is too. I'm not usually all gung ho about running fights back that end in draws. That might be a hot take. I'm always fine with guys going their separate ways. I'm like, okay, they proved that they're both pretty equal, at least at this moment. So why not just let them move on to other competition and see how they can advance? Like, really even though the likelihood of a second draw is pretty low, what are you really expecting out of a second fight? I mean, realistically, you should expect a pretty pretty close fight again. And um, because of that, I usually just side with, you know, let guys kind of move on, fight other people. But in this instance, when you had such stark contrast between rounds and Kudalaba looking like he could finish that fight early, but then Jacoby looking like he could finish that fight late. Yeah. I think you could get a really interesting dynamic match here. Yeah. Yeah. Where uh, one of those two situations could come true, and it could be a big win for either guy, depending on who comes out on top there. And both those guys are just like hovering on that outside of the top fifteen anyway. You know, so yeah. if they were to come out and starch one another in the second fight, you never know what could come next. True. Moving on to the co-main event of the evening. My liver Here's hurts. a statement. A statement. <laughs> well, mine does too, but <laughs> yeah. for other reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so Giga Chikadze, the prolific kickboxer, shows that he can kick. The Giga kick. That's what we're calling <laughs> yeah. it now, people. Yeah. 
He TKOs Cub Swanson a minute and three seconds into the very first round. It's a tough loss for Cub, but I'm going to tell you guys what happened here. Ultimately, Jigo Chikadze showing how good of a striker he is. This, this kick was set up beautifully. Set up beautifully. I actually want to give credit to a, a fellow MMA YouTuber by the name of The Weasel. Uh, a lot of you who listen might know who he is. Um, very intelligent mind in the you know our space of MMA. Um, he did a video on this fight that I watched earlier and talked in depth about this, so I want to give him credit for that. And that kick um, in specific. Yeah, so this minute and three-second fight, very short, uh, Chikese threw two different, I guess you call them body kicks here. The first one, he went high to like the chest, solar plex region. And uh, because of that, Cub Swanson's guard raised to block it. Right. So then when the, the kill shot came in, Chikese once again sets up the kick the same way. So that way, Cub's arms, his guard goes up high again. But this time he lands it flush on the liver. Game over. Fight done. Um, just a beautiful setup. Uh, couldn't have, can't write it any better um well and you know d- bouncing off of that there too if you think about it we've kind of had back-to-back weeks i'm the opposite way but look at the way rose set up the head kick against zhang Wei Li, yeah. where she got zhang to react to back up as if she was going to the body boom goes to the head now yep. you see what uh jiga does here very interesting back-to-back uh kick tko ko's man uh very impressive jiga coming into this fight with uh cub saying that he's the best striker in MMA in the UFC. And, man, after a performance like that, I know it was only one minute long, but we're talking about a guy who now has starched everyone. Six straight fights in the UFC, 6-0. and And to do that against Cub Swanson? Dude, this guy's a problem. Yeah. Um, he. This is a big statement for him. You know, He did get into the top 15 uh, with the updated rankings, as did Cub Swanson. So this is a top 15 win for Giga. But um, a guy that's been on the radar for a while, but it's just been kind of a matter of getting the opportunities. The low-key fighter of the year last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. Again, if, if not for the fact that his opponents were pretty unremarkable, at least at this time, yeah, um, he would be probably more talked about as a potential fighter of the year, like a Kevin Holland. Maybe if he was a guy that talked more, made more noise yeah. like Kevin Holland, maybe we would be talking about him the same way. But... More more of a reserved fella is Giga Chikadze, waiting for his opportunity. Gets a big one here with Cub Swanson, who's a legend of the sport, a huge fan, and he starches him. No, and there's no other seconds. way to put it. I mean, how <laughs> many people do that to Cub Swanson? Literally no one. And with that, I'm ready to see him get a big, big follow-up matchup here. What do you say about this one, Dom? Number 14, Giga Chikadze, against number 10, Sadiq Yusuf. I wish they could see me right now. Buddy, listen. I'm War Sadiq as well, right? I said War Ricky earlier. War Sadiq all the way. But Sadiq, coming off of the loss to Arnold Allen in a great fight. Love everything about that fight. But he has to take a step back now. That's kind of how this whole uh, rodeo works. And to take a step back against a guy like Giga, with a lot of hype behind him now, he had all eyes on him in a co-main event, winning against Cub Swanson. That's that's a barn burner. That's a striking, technical battle. Uh, the kickboxer versus the heavy-handed Sadiq, but also has some kicks of his own and 
Very crisp and technical technical in his own right. I love everything about that fight, and I had a feeling that would be what you were going to say. Yeah, it, it's going to be tough on paper for, you know, Sadiq struggled as much as he did with Arnold Allen, who's a great striker in his own right. You got to wonder, like, this is going to show really how is Giga Chikadze really, like, when he's saying I'm the best striker in the whole UFC or in this whole division, I mean, if that's the case, we're going to need to see some other stuff out of Sadiq Yusuf, you got to think, in that matchup. Maybe yeah. We do. We got to see a guy maybe ready to take things to the ground even. He's got the build of a guy who can do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got the build of, like, a good wrestler base, but he's never been one to do that. So it would be interesting to see if he if he could start to kind of expand on his skills in MMA because a matchup with Giga Chikese, you got to think that that's going to be the blueprint to even having a chance to take on that guy or to catch him with the lucky shot, which, don't get me wrong, Sadiq, powerful enough to do so. Um, I just love the fight. I think it would be very interesting. But I guess that leaves it uh, an option open for me to give you, Noah. What are your thoughts I, I, on a little uh, little thug nasty action for Giga? Yeah, see, I, this, I thought you were going to go to the show. Hey, Bryce Mitchell been out since October. I think he's had some lingering uh, health issues, but hopefully can get back soon because Giga didn't get touched last night, only was in the octagon for a minute, had a quick finish. Bryce is arguably, especially this latter half of the featherweight division, Arguably the biggest name there is. Everybody loves some Thug Nasty, the camo shorts. We want to see if Venom will do that for him as well. I'm ready to see Bryce Mitchell get back in there and to fight a guy like Giga, who's a great striker, a grappler versus striker matchup. We've seen Bryce has began to uh, extend his prowess on the feet. He's looked a little better recently, but this is a tough test for both guys in polar opposite uh, ways in terms of grappling and striking. I love both fights that we presented here, and I'm sure our fans do as well. I mean, these are two guys that excel at what the other fighter struggles most in. Yeah. Or at least you would think. Or at least is not known for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Bryce Mitchell has been showing improvements on the feed. Against Andre Feely, he did look pretty good. Mm. Um, But jujitsu specialist all the way. While for Giga Chikadze, this is a guy, third-degree black belt in uh, karate, along with the kickboxing background. This guy can kill you on the feet. Oh, he's yeah. so unproven when it comes to his ground game. So because of that, you got to think, you know, one of these guys is going to come out on top pretty clearly here. Someone's deficiency is going to show more in this matchup, at least I would think. Exactly. So I love that. I do love that. I, lo- I love the opposites attract kind of kind of style of matchmaking there. Do you have anything for Cub? Just out of curiosity. <sighs> um. You know, I, I think for Cub, he's kind of he's probably going to take what he can get here. Um, this was a tough loss for him, being that he had looked so good as of late, especially that win over Daniel Pineda. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he fought another guy outside the top fifteen. You know, he's definitely in that in that space now where he just kind of fights whoever is given to him. Um, if I had to say someone for, you know, the sake of top 15 matchmaking maybe the loser of edson barboza shane burgos yeah yeah i think that would be a good one since that fight is coming up here shortly what are your thoughts on like him facing a guy like andre touchy feely two veterans of the ufc like that i'm not opposed i'm not opposed to it at all i'm really not andre feely 
he's a guy that we know how good he can be, but it's that's that's really where it gets left at sometimes. Yeah, yeah. He can be that good, but we never quite see him hit his full ceiling. Um, a guy like Cub Swanson would be one to bring it out of him. You know, you saw Cub do it with guys like Duho Choi back in the day. Um, Crazy Just fight. taking guys to the brink, really showing do they have the heart, the desire, that champion mentality. Um, I, that would be a great matchup, I think. But uh, I, I, think don't think, a lot of, I think there's a lot of options for Cub Swanson. He's yeah, I, I don't think we've seen the last of Cub Swanson just no, yet. I, I definitely think he has more in the tank than a lot of these other guys that are hanging around. Like in know, his same boat, kind of? Yeah. yeah, you know, a lot of these veterans that have been around a while. I think he's, he definitely has a lot more left. And I think that shows with the UFC giving him a top 15 ranking that they still That's true. see some potential. And maybe, I'm not saying he's going to be a champion, but, you know, he he could surely give a, give a run. Some of these guys in the top 15, he could give them a run for their money. Yeah, man. You sp- Look at the guys that uh, in this light heavyweight division that we're about to speak on. Jan Blachowicz, 38 years old, now the champ. Glover getting ready to fight, and he's 41. You never know when a run can happen for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cub's going to be in some more wars for us fans before it's all said and done. Yep, and I can't wait to see him. Moving on to the main event of the evening. Your guy got it done. Talk about a statement. Light heavyweight division, Yuri Prohaska in his second bout inside the octagon of the UFC, KOs Dominic Reyes, the former title challenger, with a spinning back elbow, four and a half minutes of the second round. Pretty much as we predicted, this fight went. I will say this fight was much crazier than i even even i thought it would be we we have a fight of the year contender even though it went not even two full rounds this is fight of the year right now (laughs) i'm just gonna say it it's fight of the year right now uh a contender for knockout of the year talk let's can we talk about how 2021 buddy we're gonna have a hard time at the joeys (laughs) i've already got like seven on my list yeah we only we only have nominations for about four or five. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be an awful year of some snubs. People are going to be upset. But regardless, this one's got to be close to the top right now. I mean, a spinning back elbow, by the, the way. The third ever in UFC history. Turning the lights off of Dominic Reyes. Um, Yuri Prohaska, the man creates chaos in the octagon and somehow comes out on top every time. And dare I say, Noah... Beautiful chaos. Beautiful chaos indeed. Yuri Prohaska, again, I said it, he's now 2-0 and in the UFC, but he's knocking on the door of a title shot here. It's He's undeniable at this point. Unfortunately for Dominic Reyes, this is a third straight defeat, but I don't think we should just shut the door yeah. on Dominic Reyes. I know? agree. You start on the first of those three losses. It was the John Jones title fight, a fight that the judges could have easily scored for him, and we both thought he did win that fight. All right, the judges see it otherwise. The Jan Blahovich fight, tough loss. <laughs> really was. That was a pretty one-sided beating from Blahovich. But here, this fight was back and forth for the entire bout. I mean, Reyes having his moments hurting, stunning uh, Prohaska oh, on the feet. Dude, hey, if this fight doesn't get fight of the year, round two going to be the round of the year. I'll tell you that much. Unbelievable yeah. five minutes of action in that second round. Yeah, so with with this uh, win for Prohaska, he's he's really in the driver's seat here. 
Now, we do have a light heavyweight title fight already scheduled for September. All the way uh, in September the, is the, the problem. The much-anticipated much bout between Jan Blachowicz and Glover Teixeira. So because of that, it might be a little too early for someone to be staking their claim as the kind of next guy up. I do think Yuri Prohaska could do that, but I might... I might be. I'm starting to think I'm going to want to see him in the octagon again before then. However, I do want to talk a little bit more about this fight before we start talking about who's next. Um, you know the Mike Tyson quote: "Everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the face." <laughs> well, Yuri Prohaska is so aware of that that he just refuses to come in with a game plan at all. He is a samurai. He literally. Just as soon as the bell goes, he is he just becomes one with the he just flows. He flows. He was in a flow state. He flows when the he's he's very good. He is a light heavyweight Tony Ferguson, much more powerful version, you know, much more of a striker's version of Tony Ferguson. His volume, pace, and output, I mean, you don't see two oh fivers doing this. It was this crazy. This is a guy that's just so well equipped for any situation in his mind that he goes into the octagon. He goes, all right, we're just going to, whatever I feel like yeah. doing, I'm going to do. Yeah. He doesn't come in with this, you know, this fully detailed game plan figured out where he, he's planning to attack Dominic Reyes with a certain, maybe there's, you know, the body kicks or something like how uh, Blahovich did. did. You know, he doesn't go in like that. He just goes in. If something works, he'll go back to it. It's just whatever he wants to do. He's just very free-flowing in the octagon. He's very comfortable. Yeah. Um, in this space, and that's dangerous because look at some of the, the you know, you look at the most dominant people the UFC has had or even in this division, John Jones, notorious for the way he game plans his opponents. He breaks them down to the nittiest of gritty, but a guy like Yuri Prohaska is pretty hard to even do that with because he every time he fights, it's so different. I don't know how you take notes on this guy. No, I mean, the only consistent is the inconsistency of the chaos it's yeah. it's just it's chaos all the time yeah um this is a guy that has the, all the makings of a future champion and a star not only that a star yeah because what's most important in my eyes fun fights you know sure is pro Hoskin necessarily going to be the best on a microphone no but the guy is an interesting personality he had the look to back it up this time what was that hair i think i'm gonna do it <laughs> really, it would take me a couple years to do, so probably not actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's got that look going, but also every time this guy fights, you're just glued to the screen because you're like, who's going to go to sleep? Yeah, because and, if he's not putting someone know, to sleep, he's probably going to go on out on his shield, you know. But the funny thing is, is he he's fought like this his whole career, and he's only lost three times. He has a granite chin. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's he just, got wobbled hard, like you already mentioned against yeah. Dom in the second round. And then comes back and does that spinning crap. I mean, this dude, this dude's special. A former Ryzen champion. He's won twelve straight fights. He's been in three total decisions his whole career. He has like twenty four first round finishes. I, the, the The stats really go on and on for this guy. He's got a long career ahead of him. He's only twenty eight years old. It It's scary. It's scary the potential we have here with Yuri. For Yuri Prohaska, he's going to be bouncing into the top three now. Since that title fight is so far ahead, I'm going to have him and Alexander Rakic battle it out for the kind of next man up. 
Maybe that fight happens on that same card as Teixeira Blahovich, or maybe we see it a little sooner, a little later, whatever. I think the winner of that bout would be next up for the winner of Blahovich Teixeira in the fall. Yeah, I mean, you can't really do anything else. You either say, okay, fight uh, Rakic in a number one contender fight. Yuri, only 2-0 in the UFC, so he would get to have one more fight. And for Rakic, yeah, he's on a tear right now, but the last two fights, although he's looked good, have been relatively lackluster, especially when you compare to Prohaska. So I think matching those two up uh, would be interesting. Prohaska is going to bring it to Rakic. Rakic is going to have no choice but to fight back, you know what I'm saying, and really change up his game plan. So if you want Yuri to fight again, it's it's Rakic. Or a lot of people seem to think he earned it last night and got the title fight. And I guess Dana had even said the winner of this would be next in line. So he was kind of already skipping Rakic to begin with. Nevertheless, it's title fight or number one contender fight, and that's really all you can do with Yuri. There, there's nowhere else to go uh, but up, you know? Now, for Dominic Reyes, it gets a little more interesting because as a guy, ultimately, he does have three straight losses, but to the highest level of competition, he's going to be ranked probably fourth coming off this loss, but he's lost three in a row. Yeah. So you have to be kind of careful with who you match him up against because if he loses another fight... Now you're now you really have problems. To, now you're gonna have to really look hard at what you really have with Dominic Reyes at that point. But I don't really play it safe when I matchmake. Um, the bout that stares me in the face and excites me so much. Number six, Anthony Smith. That's it. Yeah. I mean For me as well. That's the Anthony fight. Anthony Smith Anthony Smith. A guy who's no stranger to losing. He's got 16 losses in his professional career. He had a tough 2020s, but he's been bouncing back in a big way. Yeah, don't give Lionheart no more prospects right now. Yeah, he ended 2020 with a big win over Devin Clark. Comes out at the last pay-per-view, UFC 261. Looks really good against the young and uh, upcoming Jimmy Crew. His striking was looking as clean as we had ever seen it, really. Yeah, and that's definitely a win. You can't take anything away from him, despite no. the the weirdness of hey, the the, the calf the, kick caused it. You know, yeah, you know, it's it, this isn't the Uriah Hall Weidman fight that yeah. followed, where yeah. it's like, okay, what can you really say for Uriah there? Um, Anthony Smith, I think, has proven that it's he's ready to get back get into back the, in the top of the heap. Yep, and for Dominic Reyes, he has to try to prove that he's still in the top of the heap, yeah. in my opinion. Um, the other matchup that uh, actually I won't say it just in case you do, but for now, Anthony Smith I think is uh, that'd be a lot of fun. Two guys that haven't fought, but they both have been kind. They both have kind of just seemingly barely missed each other on their paths to the top of light heavyweight. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean that's the fight. That that's the one I'm saying. But you know, there's there is one other honorable mention, uh, and maybe honestly might make more sense because of where both guys are, and it's Tiago Santos. Yeah, that both, was the other one. Both guys are on three fight losing streaks. Both guys beat John Jones. Um, you know, <laughs> in the below average Jones opinion, we have to opinion, throw, it, we, we have to throw know, that in there. Um, so their episode. losing streak started with a very razor thin decision loss to John Jones, and have each lost two fights since then. Uh, I think that's what you have. If it's not Anthony Smith, I think you have to do Tiago Santos. But uh, I think number one option is Smith for me. But again, in terms of career path and trajectories where both guys are going, him and Santos makes plenty of sense as well. This 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 is a great example of kind of the 
the brutal side of the sport. We did an episode not even six months ago about who's next with the, the division specifically. Division. Yeah. And my title fight that I pitched at the time was Santos and Reyes. Dominic Reyes. Yeah. And now you both the guys three fight skids, man. Yeah. It's crazy what less than six months later that fight, if that fight had been announced back then, everybody would have been going crazy because it was oh, yeah. the two guys that fresh John off of Jones, the John, at least yeah. closest to beating him. But now they're this fight, even it would kind of be a loser leaves the brand at this point. Yeah, it, which it's, is just it's kind crazy. of crazy. It could be, you know, in a way, um, it's just wild to kind of what, what the sport can be for some of these guys. How quickly it changes. Yeah, there's there's no better way to put it. The only caveat uh, for the Smith fight, if they were to do it, is Smith still so fresh, barely had you know anything. It was a one round fight. Granted, he did take some damage to Crute, but Reyes. First things first, man. Take you a little break. Go back, reevaluate, get healthy. A lot of damage taken. That was a brutal knockout. Uh, so all the best to Reyes. I think he still has a lot of potential. It's just a matter of going back to the drawing board. What's going to happen next? I think that Reyes can still make a run for this title. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree. He's so capable of, in this fight, he could have easily came out on top. Yeah. In the John Jones fight, he could have easily had won the belt. That Yablovich fight, is a that was a very one-sided That was beating. one where he just didn't look himself, you know, yeah, that mean, one that in the Blahovich. middle. That was Blahovich just yeah, one-sided. That's true. But, the job, but you look at the other losses sandwiched in here, and he's been he's could have just as easily had won the fight yeah yeah. so that's that's a lot of times it is kind of you know there's a little bit of luck it's a game of inches you know yeah exactly but that's going to wrap up our recap our results and recap for hashtag ufc vegas 25 as for the rest of this week wednesday it's going to be a little extra special so much so, in fact, that, that we don't know what the hell we're you. doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's code for that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we don't know exactly what the episode's going to be yet, but that will be coming to you on Wednesday. And, and it's always damn good. They don't have to worry oh. about that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then Friday, it's going to be preview time again for hashtag UFC Vegas 26. And what the fights are, we don't have a damn clue. But it looks like our main event's going to be Michelle Waterson and Marina Rodriguez. We've got Neil versus Neil on that card. There, there's going to be some fights. Maybe they get an opponent for Donald Cerrone. Uh, we're going to have some good fights to break down come Friday. Yeah, Waterson Rodriguez happening at women's flyweight, by the way. And don't hate on it. Don't no, hate on it. Don't hate on that as the main event. Well, we're coming on Friday, and we're letting you know. Don't, <laughs> know don't you Dill- worry. I know it ain't Dillashaw Sanhagen, but come on, people. What else What could be? that exactly but uh be on the lookout for all those episodes until then dominic tell the good people where they can find you on social media find me on twitter on instagram at diesely 14 and then more importantly find the podcast on twitter on instagram at baj underscore mma podcast the following is growing day by day keep interacting with us we want to interact with you guys as much as possible Teasers are going to continue coming out for big things happening in the future, so give us a follow there. And uh, Noah, take us out, my friend. Well said. As for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at ntbaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, 
along with the social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for the Anchor page. First, leaving a voice message. If you have a thought about an upcoming fight, a news story, if you just want to say hi or tell us that we're a couple pieces of shit, you can do it there. And there's another link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides with a few dollars a month and all that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So again, you can find all of this if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out and we'll see y'all on Wednesday.